Welcome to the Mavericks and Misfits podcast, where not quite fitting into the religious status quo is a good thing. Slick church trends deceive us. Denominational traditions can blind us. But truth from the heart of God always transforms us. And now, here's our host, a self-proclaimed ministry maverick and church misfit, Jeff Lyle. Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jeff Lyle with Mavericks and Misfits. Grateful that you've tuned in today. Before we launch into today's episode, let me send a very quick word of apology about the sound quality on the previous episode. You know, what was crazy is I was so stoked about um, what God had led me to share in that last episode and could not wait to get it, um, you know, uploaded and ready to be sent out. And then after I recorded it and did a little editing, I went back and listened to it, obviously. And uh, I had used the external mic on my MacBook instead of the professional mic that I'm supposed to use. I forgot to hit a button. And so um, even though the sound wasn't awesome, the content I really felt was good. So I want to encourage you, if you're listening to these episodes and that one kind of deterred you because it had a little bit of an echo to it, go back and listen to it because I really felt the Holy Spirit moving in what I was sharing that day. And God really deserves the right to humble every single one of us. And it doesn't take much to humble us. When God wants to humble you, all he's got to do is um, allow you to forget to push a singular button and what should have been um, a great, great sound ended up being a little bit echoey. So that is my OCD, ADD tendency. I like things to be right. And uh, apologies for those of you who maybe were discouraged from listening to that whole thing. But I do want to encourage you, go back and check out the last episode because I actually think it was some of the best content we've put out since we began the podcast. So I hope everybody's doing good. We are entering into a new season season um, in so many ways. It's a new year. We're fully underway. We have a new president. We have um, the new Super Bowl champions. I don't know if you guys are football fans or not, but it's hard to um, dismiss the um, awesomeness on the football field of that 40-something-year-old Tom Brady, who is an old man by NFL standards, and yet that dude's just born to win and win and win and win. He gets traded from a championship team that hadn't missed the playoffs in 12 years. The Patriots, he ends up going to Tampa Bay, a team I don't think that had made the playoffs in 12 years. And Tom Brady goes down to this new team, runs them all the way to the Super Bowl, where they defeat that beloved Kansas City Chiefs teams with Patrick Mahomes. And I just want to give a shout out. I'm actually not a massive Tom Brady fan, but I am so in admiration of anybody that is got uber skills in their assignment, their their calling, their gifting. I I'm just stunned that a man who's 40, I think three years old, can outplay the rest of the NFL. And I think he has cemented his place as the greatest of all time in the quarterback position and maybe ever in the NFL for any player. And so kudos to Tom Brady. You know, I like to win. I don't know about you. I, if I've got a choice between winning and losing, I want to win. That's just the way I'm wired. I don't think it's healthy for anybody to wake up every day and say, yep, I want to take it on the chin. I want to get knocked out. I want to lose. I want to end up in the dirt today. Um, some people think that that's spiritual. I personally do not. And although I know I'm not going to win every single time, and we've got to choose when to lose, but there are um, really, in, in the midst of the body of Christ, there are certain kingdom principles that should be at work in all of us. And one of them 
is this concept of overcoming and walking in victory. And so um, I, I want to, I want to win. And so when I see people winning at their craft, when I see people overcoming, when I see people experiencing breakthrough, I love the theme of the underdog. It's all throughout scripture. God loves to promote the underdog. And, um, I have always, even by the title of this podcast, Mavericks and Misfits, I've always felt connected to that concept of being an underdog or maybe somebody who doesn't quite fit in. And there's two ways you can roll with that. You can, you know, take your ball and go home and pout and whine and I don't fit in. You can be kind of a, a wuss about it, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about that person that doesn't fit in, but looks to heaven and says, but I don't have to fit into a system. I don't have to be a part of the status quo. I don't have to belong to a club. I have the son of God reigning inside of my heart and therefore I can do all things through him that bring me strength. And so that's kind of churning in my heart today. Um, I, I want to kind of talk to you about I, what I believe is a need in the big C church today or the big K kingdom today. I want to talk about this issue of where the prophets have gone. Where are all the prophets? I believe that one of the gifts that God gives to the church are the prophets, the office of prophet, the gifting of the prophetic ministry, those who can be like the sons of Issachar and discern the times and know what we ought to do, those who have fire in their bones like Jeremiah, those who have a cleansed mouth like the prophet Isaiah, those who have... Um, self-sacrificing integrity and courage like the prophet Daniel, those who, um, like Hosea, are willing to do anything that God says to do in order that God might be glorified, those who are willing to come apart from the world like the prophet named John the Baptist. I, I'm wondering, where have the prophets gone? Um, there's this verse in the book of Ezekiel, in chapter number 33, it's Ezekiel 33, 3, and I've always loved this portion of the verse. Um, it says some things, but then at the end of verse 33, excuse me, verse 3 of chapter 33 of Ezekiel, it says, then they will know that a prophet has been among them. They will know that a prophet has been among them. And I, I want to say that we need um, such a move of God and he is willing and he is ready, but I don't know that the church is hungry enough for it. But we need a move where God raises up a fresh crop of prophets, young and old, male and female, rich or poor. I'm saying that every sector of the church needs the prophetic voice to manifest. And I believe that as we walk through a little bit of these thoughts today, some of you are to be prophets in this generation. Some of you have not missed your calling. Some of you have not stepped into your calling yet, but you've not missed it. But our generation is in dire need of the ministry of the prophets. So who are these people? <laughs> well, prophets, you know, historically have been these unique individuals. And we see them in scripture. They're, they're those who, without fear of people, they boldly speak God's truth in a way that addresses the very times that they're living in. Now, th these, these are not clever preachers who, you know, slowly handle a Bible text and parse each letter and unpack the tense of verbs while doing, 
you know, never-ending word studies. The prophet's different than that. I, I Listen, I am a teacher, so I'm not de- denigrating the, the office of teaching. I'm just saying that's that's not what I'm talking about today. I'm saying we need prophets because the prophet's a person of fire who they first burn deeply within in the secret place, and then when they are released into the visible place, they go out with their mouths wide open, and the prophet ends up being a holy flamethrower in the hand of God Almighty. And it's not that the prophets were ever in the Bible mean-spirited. That wasn't what drove them. They weren't unnecessarily abrasive, but it's that they're consumed on the inside with God's revelation, and when it comes out from them, it is true to their own nature, or true to its own nature, true to the prophetic nature of what God has given. And God gives prophets fire, and so it's supposed to come out fiery most of the time. And when it does, it burns away everything that's worthless, but it purifies everything that has gold attached to it. And so the prophetic word in a generation is confrontational. It is bold. It is courageous. And to the natural person, it will seem at times abrasive and, you know, breaking decorum. It doesn't always fit in in a nice, neat, tidy package especially in the realm of churchianity or little K kingdom or, you know, shallow Christendom, the prophets are raised up because God wants to burn away what is worthless through the prophetic ministry, through, I'm speaking primarily of of the prophetic ministry of boldly proclaiming what God is saying in a generation. And when the prophets steward that, and they receive it in the secret place. They receive it through prayer and fasting. They, they don't receive it because they heard a nice message or saw a cool tweet and they want to run and just, they have to say something. That's not, listen, those are just basically loud mouths. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, the prophetic person, the prophet that stays in the presence of God, stays in the word of God, stays in prayer until he or she receives something from the Lord. And then that person goes out, that prophet goes out and releases that word into their assigned audience. Because where God gives the word, he will also give the audience. And the audience may be two people. The audience may be 2,000 people. But the, the key is this. The prophet knows her assignment. The prophet knows his assignment. And when, when they release the word, the nature of the word is coming from the fiery throne of God. And it burns away everything that's worthless. And at the same time, it purifies that which um, is for the glory of God. And I just want to say that we, we've got to have prophets return to the American church. They, they're going to have to have voices that don't become dizzied by all these noxious, noxious fumes in our culture for political correctness. And these prophets can't melt and, into a little gooey puddle at the heat of those that resist them or even persecute them. Yes, persecute. It's ha- going to happen in our culture on an increasing basis. Why? Because prophets tell the truth and our culture is addicted to lies. Do you get that? Our culture is addicted to lies and prophets are fiery truth tellers. And those two things don't mix. And so when God raises up a prophet, it's not so they can get you know 25,000 followers on Instagram, Snapchat, or, or TikTok. That when God raises up a prophet, it's to confront the lies of a generation, and that generation is going to typically not love the prophet. The only people that love the prophets are typically those who are bending to the prophetic word anyway and, and sense what the Lord is doing. 
And I just want to suggest it. I, th- I think we need many spirit dispatched prophetic voices to help us remember who our God truly is. It takes a prophet to yank off the moldy tarp of religion that's been draped over the holy throne of the glorious King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And, you know, our culture, I think, let me just say this. I love the church. I've been a pastor since 1997 vocationally. So I'm not throwing stones at the church, but I got enough of a prophet in me to recognize that churchianity has thrown a tarp of religion over the glorious throne of Jesus Christ. And, you know, religion tries to secure that tarp there with the bungee cords of comfortable Christianity. And, um, I just think that the prophets need to tear the tarp off and restore the focus to the glory of Jesus Christ who sits upon the throne and he is the king of the ages and what he says matters, not what our culture says, not what your political party says, not what your, even your pastor or your, your, you know, your priest or your elders or whoever. Um, frankly, can I say this boldly? I don't care what a positioned spiritual leader says if that spiritual leader has not been in the presence of God and is speaking what the Lord gives that leader to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm tired of stale proclamation that is regurgitated. It may be theologically precise. It may be beautifully packaged. It may be delivered with eloquence, but if it doesn't have the fire of God in it, frankly, I'm not, I'm not interested in it anymore. Um, we don't need any more head padding preachers, no, no more quests for nice, tidy ministries where everything runs by the schedule. And the you notes know, like they're raising precious little toast to God in our Sunday morning gatherings. By the way, they're raising these toasts to God at those gatherings. You know, they're, they're nodding to God. But the presence of God, the Spirit himself, is not desired. Because when the Holy Spirit shows up, he spoils the systems that man creates. Um, man, I'm just feeling the prophetic vibe on this right now, that some of you will get this. And understand that, you, yes, you may be a maverick. This is speaking to the mavericks that are listening. Mavericks don't have to be obnoxious or rebellious or pugnacious all the time. But I'm going to tell you something. We need some maverick prophets that will, you know, come in and tell us that we've prepared a feast in the honor of the one that many churches won't even let in. I mean, good night. Our gatherings, whether they take place on Sundays or Fridays or Saturdays or Wednesdays or whatever, Our gatherings, our church gatherings, they are to be a feast that is held in honor of King Jesus. And yet, I'm going to be honest, sometimes we have these little Sunday, you know, raising a toast, but we don't even invite Jesus. (laughs) And, And when prophets are raised up, they call us to question what we are doing and why we are doing it. Why are we doing what we're doing? And what are we actually doing as we tag the name of Jesus to it? Are we actually doing what Jesus is doing? Are we actually saying what Jesus is saying? And prophets do not allow us to continue to move in action without addressing the motives of our hearts. And, and I think God's raising up prophets that are basically saying what Haggai said, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Why are you doing what you're doing? Prophets are those people that will 
call everybody kneeling in prayer to ask them, why do you feel like you must bow your knees, but your heart still remains stiff and unbroken? Because, I mean, listen, prayer isn't about your bodily position, but it's rather our, our heart's disposition, how our attitudes of our heart is. You can bend in prayer, you can beat your chest, you can weep tears and everything, but unless your heart is truly in line with the Lord, all of that is outward posturing. I would say this, um, if you notice a little edge on what I'm sharing today, good. I'm glad you do. Why? Because prophets remind us how to be angry at the proper things. We live in a, such an angry generation. Or, you know, Clearly, the culture is in outrage. Everybody's fighting about anything. Some people wake up every day and say, okay, it's another day to fight, and they don't even know what they're going to fight. They just have the instinct to, to war and wait, uh, outrage and, and you know, to, to attack. And sadly, I think that stuff's gotten in the church too. But prophets don't tell you never be angry. They just tell us what to be angry at and why we should be angry and what we should do with that righteous anger. Most anger is not righteous. It's not of God. Most anger, most of the anger you see going on in the culture today is not of God. A lot of the anger being bandied about in the church and spewed um, on social media by Christians. It's not of God. It, you know, they think because they're saved, it's righteous anger. Let me just tell you something. There's a lot of Christians who are genuinely born again, but they are operating in the flesh and they're angry at the wrong things. And even if they're angry at the right things, they're not expressing that anger in a way that is consistent with the nature of God. So we need prophets to tell us how, how to be angry at the right things. And, you know, listen, those those who God raises up as prophets, they don't have to be pastors. Most of them probably shouldn't be. Um, they don't need to be missionaries. They don't have to be necessarily ordained ministers or publicly acknowledged pulpit people. By the way, they, they don't need to be male and they don't need to be adult. You don't have to be a man and you don't have to be an adult to be a prophet. Listen, I do believe that there are prophetic children and teenagers that are being raised up that the Holy Spirit's going to use in a way that stuns and humbles uh, adults. And so, you know, when we're thinking about what a prophet is, we don't just need to think of an old dude wrapped up in some religious garb. We, we need to recognize it could be your, your 12-year-old that God is raising up and stirring. It could be your grandchildren. It could be, your, could be you. Maybe you're a 17, 18-year-old and you're listening to this and you've got the stirring for Jesus in your heart, but you think because you're young. That's why Paul told Timothy, don't let anybody despise your youth. And when Jeremiah protested, oh, but Lord, I'm just a child, um, you know, the, the answer to God is, I know who you are. I know who I made you. I know what I've made you for. And you're going to be a prophet. Remember in Acts chapter 2 that at the outpouring of Pentecost, we find that a new era, a new um, epic, a new generation was inaugurated. And that, that continues from Pentecost to this very moment wherein men and women, young and old, masters and servants, according to Joel 2 and Acts 2, they would all be candidates for an anointing to proclaim what is true from God. That We're still in that age. God is still calling prophets. There's nothing in the Bible that says that prophets disappeared off the scene. What, what, a, what a clear strategy of Satan to try to tell the church for centuries there are no prophets anymore. Why? Because prophets are dangerous to the mission and the agenda of hell. Prophets wake us up out of slumber. Prophets shake us out of our stupor. 
And of course, the enemy wants to create a whole system of belief that says there are no prophets or apostles anymore. There, there's just pastors and teachers. Pastors and teachers do an incredible job shepherding the flock and teaching the word. I am one of those guys, but I'm also a prophet. And so when I think of this issue of we need prophetic voices, I'm thinking, well, no wonder cessationism, which I believe is crafted, that literally cessationism um, is, I believe it's a demonic doctrine. That's going to shock some of you, but I believe cessationism is a doctrine of demons because it denies the power of God. It denies the revelation of God. It masks itself as just simply being loyal to the Bible. Listen, I don't want to have anything to do with a prophetic ministry that is unbiblical, but I'm telling you something. When the Bible is ingested by people that are called to be prophets and when they soak in the presence of God and soak in the word of God, they are some of the most dangerous people to the agenda of hell. And of course, Satan wants a whole generation of Christians to believe those people don't exist anymore. Well, they do exist. But the question is, where are the prophets today? I think we've muted the prophets. We put them on mute. I think the church is living off of dimming theological light, which no longer carries the necessary heat of transformational proclamation. I think we have the theological light, but we've lost the heat. And I think the light is dimming because it's gone stale, that we're rehashing theology at such a level that we're thinking that is the end, that is the goal, to have precise, good, solid theology. Well, let me tell you, theology is a means unto an end. What is the end? The end is the presence and the person and the glorification of God. And just teaching theology is not going to achieve that. We need prophets and prophetic proclamation and ministry that calls us to action with what, what we need to do with our theology. You know, I mean, I think just there's such a disconnect in the church sometimes. We, we pray earnestly for a revival, but we plan quaint little Bible studies. We yearn for an outpouring of, of the presence of God, but we raise up our tiny little thimbles to God and tell him, just fill this, this will suffice for another week. You know, we want an outpouring, but we, we bring a thimble. And out, an outpouring doesn't fit into a thimble. And so we're, we're talking out of both sides of our mouth. We're saying we want something, but we actually um, prepare for something less and expect something less. Prophets keep us from doing that. Prophets challenge us on that. I think that in the church, you know, we're lamenting the directions of our sons and our daughters and our grandchildren in life. We're lamenting the way that generation is going. But guys, we, it's because we fed them with the wax fruit of this age instead of the fruit of the spirit. We've offered them fake fruit and our kids are smart and they don't want to eat fake fruit. And the problem is, is they, because they've been fed fake fruit for so long, a lot of our kids no longer believe in the genuine fruit of the spirit. They've never seen the power of God. And so they're out searching for power. They're out searching for meaning. They're out searching um, in their lives for pleasure. And they don't know that their power and their meaning and their pleasure are wrapped up in their identity in Jesus. And what we need is prophetic voices that'll be raised up to stop lamenting the way our sons and daughters and grandkids are going and start pointing them in the right direction. So fewer and fewer of them go in the wrong direction. We need prophetic voices. Listen, I say it again. You're, you're, the, the young generation, the Gen Z, the young millennials, they're looking for authenticity. 
They're not interested in our programs. They're not interested in the way it has been done for the last 50 years. Pastors and leaders, you need to get over the fact that the, you know, it worked for you. It worked for your parents' generation. I'm telling you, there's a shift. And as we approach the end of the age, we need not only good, solid teaching. We need that. I'm not undermining the reality that we need teaching. I am a teacher. I teach verse by verse for the most part. But we need prophetic application. Help them to know what to do. Challenge them out of their status quo. Bring them into the presence of of God and make God real to him like he's real in the Bible and real to the prophets that wrote so many books of our Bible. Listen, we've just got to have prophets to open our eyes. To what, Jeff? I think at least to the incongruity of our lives that there's a disconnect between what we say we want, who we say we are, um, what, what, what we say we prioritize, there's a disconnect between that and what we're actually doing in the kingdom. And the older you get, the easier it is to settle for the status quo. Some of you that are listening may be in your 50s. You may be older than that. And the older you get, the easier it is just to maintain and you go on cruise control and coast downhill until you, you, know, you die and you go to glory. You know how selfish that is? That is so selfish. It's generational hostage taking that you put everything on pause until you're gone and then the next generation can figure it out. No, we're supposed to pass this baton to the next generation and that baton needs to be flaming and hot and glorious with the presence and the power of God. So let me wrap up here. While you pray for the return of the prophets to our churches, and I hope you'll pray, and I hope you'll pray with me, God, raise up prophets Scripture-soaked, Bible-filled, still in the secret place, hungry, fasting, um, bold, and yet loving prophets. While you're praying for those, I want you to consider something. Consider that you may be one. Consider that God may be calling you to that. Say, well, how would I know, Jeff? Well, let me just ask you a couple of questions. Do you have a protest that burns within you about all that is wrong all around you? You got that fire burning within you about everything you see that is wrong outside of you? Here's a better question. Does your own sin grieve you more than anything? Because if your own sin doesn't bother you more than everybody else's sin, you are not ready to be dispatched as a prophet. You better lament and mourn over your own sin before you start pointing a finger at the sin of the culture. The worst sin in the world to me is mine. And I'm convinced of that. And that's the only thing that enables a prophet to stay humble and low before the Lord because that prophet knows that apart from the grace of God, they're the chief of sinners walking around. Do you feel trapped? Like in this land of unrighteousness? Are you longing for the visible return of the king who's going to set everything aright? If you're longing for the second coming and mourning until Jesus comes again, you, you probably got some prophetic DNA in you. How about this? Can you, can you no longer bear to watch your generation sing the songs of the Lord, but really not care if the Lord himself shows up to hear those songs? I, I get so convicted sometimes when we're singing in church. I'm like, I'm, I look around and I'm thinking, who believes what we're singing? Who believes what we're singing? We, we would never let preachers tell lies in the pulpit. We sing them all the time. We sing about laying down our lives. We sing about surrendering all. 
we we sing about you know we we can't be satisfied until you move and I'm like guys let's be honest about this stuff let's the incongruity the disconnect the dissonance between what we sing and what we actually believe and live prophets are seeing that and we got to call people out on that not so we can denounce them but so that we can expose that there's a whole system of of staleness all around us and guys while you know our kids and for some of you grandkids they're being siphoned off from the things of god and they're being uh, kind of anchored in a world of tiktok and snapchat and instagram images and texts and games and even voyeuristic pursuits that that troll the lives of others and do you, do you find yourself churning inside as you wonder what's going to become of them and their generation when the hell of tribulation breaks forth on this planet what's going to become of a generation that is so addicted to self when tribulation hits planet earth Listen, if you're young and you're listening to this, I'm asking you boldly, what are you doing to challenge your generation to come out of the superficiality of the culture and enter into a forerunner lifestyle before Jesus comes again? I'm I'm challenging you. And prophetic people will be stirred when they hear that challenge. They'll start saying, God, is that me that you're raising up? Is that me that you're stirring up? And then when I think about this famine of conversions in our land. And then even among those who are saved, there's an absence of deep roots. And our churches have become like barren deserts. And we're we're people who are actually called to worship and to live and to serve in the fullness of the Spirit. We're not to dabble in the Spirit. We're not to dabble in Jesus. We're supposed to live in the fullness of the Spirit. And prophets will be those who are crying for God the Spirit to come and invade. But unfortunately, like Jesus outside the bolted door of the church of Laodicea, Revelation 3, verse 20, he's on the outside. I think the Holy Spirit is being verbally welcomed to come into our ministries. But it seems like we want him to observe. We don't want him to interfere with our plans. We want the Holy Spirit to come and attend our gatherings. But we don't want him to run the gatherings. And the prophets are being silenced. And I'm praying that the prophets will find their voice again. The prophets are being silenced, but listen, the prophets are still being stirred. Prophets are still being sent to us from God. But the prophets are being shushed. Shh. That's what we're telling the prophets. Be quiet. Settle down. Simmer down. But the prophets are still being strengthened to speak to us. They're They're being strengthened to speak to us from God, but they're being shunned by us so that we can't hear God. The prophets are still being stoked by the hand of God, lest they go cold and dark, but the prophets are now being stigmatized by the very ones to whom they are being sent. God's sending prophets, and we're not physically killing them here in America, but we're silencing them. Cancel culture is hitting the prophets. So my time's gone, but let me just ask, is there a prophet in the midst? Is there a prophet in the midst? And the church needs to recognize that that prophetic voice that God's sending, as sharp as it may be at times, get over yourself. You're, You're allowed to get your feelings hurt. You want your feelings hurt if you're going in the wrong direction. 
You want to be boldly corrected. You need to be rebuked. I need to be rebuked if I'm going in the wrong direction. 2020 held a lot of rebukes for me, by the way. And I thank God. I didn't like it at the time from a couple of guys that I'm really close with, but they prophetically rebuked me in a couple of areas. And I didn't like it at the time, but man, I'm, I'm eating the good fruit of that rebuke now because I repented. Without the prophets, God's people have always fallen, always into a state of being which God ultimately can't bless. Apart from the prophets, the church will kind of erode into a place where God cannot bless. And so I believe the American church, at least, and probably wherever you're listening, the church needs prophets today more than it ever has before. The worst thing that might happen to us is that God would no longer send us prophets. That'd be the worst thing if God quit sending prophets. Because I'm as much as I love to teach and as much as I love pastoring and as much as I love the, the objective teaching of the verses and words of scripture, apart from a prophetic stirring and a calling and a bold proclamation, not just teaching, but preaching, proclaiming, exhorting, rebuking, encouraging, summoning, apart from all of that, man, we are going to be in trouble. But thank God that he is still sending prophets to us. If we'll listen to them, he'll keep sending them to us. So remember that verse, Ezekiel 33.3. Then they will know that a prophet has been among them. That's all for today. We'll see you next time on Mavericks Misfits. God bless. Have you gotten a copy of Jeff's book? His autobiography, titled Figuring It Out As I Go, shares Jeff's journey from being abandoned at childhood to journeying through the maze of addiction as a teen and young adult, into his supernatural deliverance at the age of 24, and then into the fascinating pilgrimage into the depths of the Holy Spirit. Order your copy today at jefflyle.com or anywhere online where you buy books. You can also hear Jeff narrate the book by ordering an audio copy of Figuring It Out As I Go at audible.com.